Welcome, and thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com. And now for the message from our speaker. We would not be able to do what we do if it was not for the help of God's people. And that's what God, God always uses people in his plan, doesn't he? He has always used people in his plan, and he always will use people in his plan. And uh, God has a plan for his people. And so that is good to be. Turning your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 25. And uh, normally I asked the pastor, I didn't get a chance because the deacon's wives were telling me all about all the people in the church and the problems with their husbands and all those things before the service. I didn't get a chance to say what time I need to be done, pastor. Um, but uh, um, is there a time I need to get done by? But... Okay, all right. <laughs> So, all right, we can take a vote if you want to, or, you know, and uh, one time I was in a church, and uh, the sound man walked up, uh, the pastor, I was talking to the pastor, and, and uh, he says, you preach as long as you preach, don't worry about time, we don't worry about time in this church, and I said, yes, sir, I turned around, the sound man was standing there with the microphone, and he says, here, he says, just remember, I turn you on, and I turn you off. <laughs> Another church, they said, well, you can preach as long as you want. We leave at noon. So uh, you preach as long as you want. So, 1 Samuel chapter 25. Let me tell you just a couple of things before we get into the scripture there. A couple of things are going on at the Fellowship Track League. I didn't even really relay this much, I don't think, the other day, Tuesday, when some of you folks were there. We, uh, were able, we've been able to ship out this year. We've shipped out three sea containers of tracks, over 10 million tracks, and each one of those sea containers already this year, 30, over 30 million tracks. I was sitting there in, my, in the pew there, and on the floor in front of me was a penny. Each one of those tracks, those 30 million tracks, cost less than a penny for someone to receive the gospel in their language. Can you believe that? You can't get the gospel around the more, world even more efficient than that. I always pick up a penny that will buy the paper for five tracks, and it will print one and uh, prepare it and send it to somewhere in the world for less than a penny. And uh, isn't that amazing? You think about it. I think a soul is worth a penny, isn't it? Amen. Amen. I didn't keep the penny, though. I put it here, and uh, we'll just let the Holy Spirit tell you what to do with that penny from here on, all right? But uh, we, I pick them up on the ground, I'll tell you that. When I'm out walking around, I see a penny. I've heard guys say, well, I ain't going to waste my time to bend over for a penny. And I think of a, a soul in eternity for that penny. And that's what I think of. Every time I see one of those pennies, and I got one, uh, uh, one of those coin banks sitting beside my bed, and I empty my change into that, and, and uh, because all that change in there is the soul somewhere in the world need Jesus Christ. If you're not familiar with the Fellowship Track League, it started in 1978 under Pastor Wash Pennington. He had a desire to send out 100 million tracks from the Fellowship Baptist Church. And uh, that desire, he was down in Myrtle, Mississippi at a camp meeting, and Percy Ray was the pastor down there. And there was an old rusty pot sitting on the communion table. It looked like a pitcher, and uh, a metal pitcher. And he said, uh, and Percy Ray told Wash Pennington, he said, if you'll put money in that old rusty pot, God will multiply it. He put some money in that old rusty pot. Well, nobody knows how much money he put in there. But since that time, we, now we send out around 120 million tracks a year. And Lord willing, by May 2020, we will pass 5 billion tracks since the Fellowship Track League began in 1978. Five billion. Isn't that amazing? 
He had a desire for every man, woman, boy, and girl to have the gospel in their language all around the world and, uh, since that time. And at that time, when he said that, there was about 4 billion people in the world. Now we're creeping up on 5 billion people. And of course, the world has over 7 billion people in it. But we're getting, reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for your prayers. And uh, I'll tell you, the world needs the gospel more than ever, doesn't it? The, the end is coming close, isn't it? 1 Samuel chapter 25, if you'll stand with me for just a moment, we're going to read one verse. We'll get into some other verses, but we're going to read one verse here. 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verse 1. And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the blessings you've given us. Thank you for as we can take communion together as brothers and sisters in Christ. For, Lord, I pray that we will always remember what you did for us on the cross. And, Lord, what a gracious God you were to send your only begotten son to die on that cross for us. Lord, I pray that we would get something from your word tonight. We thank you for this church. I've heard so many good things about this church lately. And, and the things that are going on in this community and, and uh, in this world of what they're reaching out with their, uh, the, the reach that you have given them. Lord, thank you for this beautiful building that they're meeting in now and, and uh, their pastor and the, this church family here. And Lord, the desire they have to see souls saved and lives added to the church. Lord, we love you tonight. We need you in everything that is done. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In the middle of chaos here in Israel, Samuel dies. We're familiar with Samuel. Many of you, if you've been in church for much time at all, you know who Samuel was. He was a prophet in Israel. There are those that are following Saul and those that are following David here in the middle of this story. As you know, Saul has been kill, trying to kill David. He's been chasing after David. He's thrown a javelin at David a few times. And he is, is uh, uh, Saul's... Uh, Son, Jonathan, and David are good friends, and Jonathan has done what he could to protect David, and there was even times that he was supposed to be in the royal court and come to dinner, and Jonathan said, wait, don't come, because I'll let, let me see how my father will react to you coming, and so he says, let me go out, and I'll meet you in the field, and I'll have the boy run out, and we'll shoot the arrow, and if it goes beyond you, you better not come into that, and if it stays closer to you, then it is okay, and my father won't do anything, and he went out. Out and and, and uh, he talked to his father in the in the dinner time there and and uh, he got the feeling that David better not come in there and since that time he's been chasing him and you remember David went to the cave of Adullam and he's there and he starts gathering men and, and women and people are beginning to follow him and there's some things going on and happening around there and, and Saul is out to kill David Saul is king of Israel David is going to be king of Israel Saul is out of the will of God and David is determined to be in the will of God Saul and David have just had a contact with each other as David had opportunity to kill Saul and to end all this chaos and this problems that seemingly it would seem like that would be the answer to that 
And David and his men hid in the cave in the shadows. And Saul came in and lay down. And I believe God put him to sleep and put his men to sleep. Or at least blinded their eyes so they didn't see those men in there. And it says that Saul covered his feet. And that David had opportunity. In fact, his men says, hey, here's the opportunity. And here's the chance that God is giving you to kill Saul right now. In fact, God said he would deliver your enemies and uh, it would deliver you to your enemies and you could kill Saul. And that is not what God told David. David said, I will take care of your enemies. They will be my footstool. And so David thought better of that. And think about this. David became king at 30 years of age. And so he is not very old here. He is probably in his 20s. He is a young man that God is using. And he had opportunity, but he spares Saul's life. Saul says he is repentant for trying to kill David, but as you read on in 1 Samuel, you'll realize that he does not keep that, and he does not uh, uh, commit to that uh, repentance that he has that says, oh, I'm sorry, I should have tried to kill you, and you're more righteous than I, and all these things. At the last chapter, in chapter 24, we read all that, and at the end of 24, Saul goes home, back to his house, and David takes his men, and goes back up into the hold with his men, and wait for instruction from God what to do next. And right in the middle of this story, there is one sentence that is written here. And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. Can I tell you this, this evening, can I tell you that our life is more than one sentence, isn't it? I title this message, More Than One Sentence. Life is more than one sentence. You know, we often, we just had someone pass away in our church, and we had a funeral the other day for them, and, and uh, I had the privilege, they had, the family asked me if I would read the obituary, and of course our pastor did the message and so on, and they asked me if I would read the obituary. And I read a paragraph about that man, and Wayne Peters, and, and uh, or not Wayne Peters, uh, Doug Peters, and I read a paragraph about that man, just a short little paragraph, about that man that did not tell me everything about Doug Peters did it one sentence does not tell us everything about Samuel I think we understand that and and uh, we if we were to write an obituary we might even write it something like this it says if we might say Samuel son of Elkanah and Hannah died he was raised in the temple under the hand of Eli the priest Samuel had two brothers and two sisters unknown if they are still alive Samuel had two sons, Joel and Abiah, unknown if they are dead or alive, I presume dead. Samuel served the Lord as a judge and prophet for Israel. Mr. Samuel's body will be laid to rest at his home in Ramah. Date and times are unknown. That's something we, we would write for somebody's obituary, isn't it? But God didn't even write that much about Samuel. He said Samuel died. That's all he said about him. God chose to write one sentence about one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel. 
You know and I know that there is much more to say about Samuel than one sentence in the middle of a story about a king that is, has lost the blessing of God on him and an incoming king who has, is a man after God's own heart right in here is the middle of all this chaos and all these problems in Israel and people following Saul and people following David and all this and we have one verse in there and it says Samuel died. And they move on into the story. I believe God wrote his word for a specific reason and put the verses in the area. He put the verses, and I believe we have our Bible the way we have our Bible. I don't believe there's any mistake in that. I believe God put everything in the Bible he wanted in the Bible. And I believe God left everything out of the Bible that he wanted to leave out of the Bible. I believe that within all my heart. And the era of the greatest prophet has come to an end. Samuel was the link between the people and God. Samuel was the bridge between the judges and the theocracy rule of Israel and the beginning of the kings of Israel. You remember Samuel, they wanted a king and God said, I'll give you a king. I've been your king, but I'll give you a king. He, but Samuel here has finished his course. He has kept the faith as a good soldier's. And with many stories in the Bible, you have to do some study to find the rest of the story though, don't you? Samuel is mentioned 121 in 121 verses in the Bible. So there is much that can be said about Samuel. But I just look at this verse, and Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. I thought of some things that I read about Samuel and kind of tried to put it in a nutshell what I thought about Samuel's life. I mean, I know we can talk about many other things and we can spend much time on Samuel and his life. But let me give you a, thing, a few things here. He was, he, first of all, he was presented by his parents. Samuel's parents, particularly his mother Hannah, loved the creator more than she loved the creation and gave her son to the Lord. It is easy to say, I have given my children to the Lord until it comes down to giving your children to the Lord. I've seen many a people stand on a stage at a church and they've held that little baby in their hand and the pastor come over and lay their hand on that baby and they pray for that family and that's not the commitment of that baby, that's the commitment of that parent holding that baby to say, hey, we are going to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Unfortunately, I've seen as well as you have seen those people that said that, that stood there, did not mean that. In fact, on Wednesday night when the soccer's playing, it's more important to be on the soccer field than it is to be in the house of God. It's more important to be on the football field than it is to be in church on Sunday night. And they're not raising their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as they had promised not the church, not the pastor, but God Almighty. And God did not forget that commitment, and God did not give up on that commitment, and God said, hey, if you disobey me, you will have chaos in your life. You can look at the story of Israel, and you can look at the story in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, and obedience brings blessing, disobedience brings chaos every time. And here the parents, they came, and she said, I will give my child to the Lord. Of course, I've never been a mother. I don't think I ever will be a mother. I'm pretty sure of that. 
But I can tell you this, I can't imagine what it would be like to give my child up to say, hey, I'm going to let somebody else raise my child, let alone be a mother that could say that. And their first child, their firstborn, I know how children act. You know how it is, and I know how it is. And I can tell you, I can't imagine how Hannah did that. But I tell you this, she kept her promise to the Lord. She, was, she presented her son to the Lord as she said she would. And God blessed it. Hannah told God, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 20, Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Can I tell you tonight, if you ask something of the Lord, you better be willing to give it back to the Lord. If you want to get something from the Lord, ask for something that you can give back to the Lord. That's a good indication of what you should ask from the Lord. I should ask for something that I'd be willing to give back to the Lord. You say, well, I need a new car. Well, tell God you'll use that new car for anything God wants you to use that new car for. If that means picking up little snot loads little kids and get crumbs in the back and stain the back seats and spill pop back there and do all that, that means that you'll be willing to do that for the Lord Jesus Christ if he'll give you that new car. Hey, he's saying, we need a new house. We need a bigger house. Say, all right, we need a bigger house, but I'm going to ask God for that house and give me that house. But I want a house and we want a bigger house so we can have missionaries over and they can come over and have dinner with us and they can stay at our house and we can be a blessing to them traveling on the road and give them a home cooked meal in here so we can bring people over new converts over here and we can disciple them and help them and guide them and direct them in their lives and i've been a christian for many years and god has given me the experience of being a christian i can pass that on to somebody else and i can invite them over to sit at our kitchen table and tell them about the wonderful 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 things about god that he has done for me if you want to do something for God, if you want something from God, be willing to give it back to God. Had Hannah not done what she had promised, what the Lord that she would do with him, it certainly would have rolled a whole different story, wouldn't it? If she wouldn't have done what she was supposed to do. Number two, he listened to his calling. You remember Samuel was laying down to sleep when he heard a calling, thinking it was Eli, and he went into the priest, and, and he said to him, he said, are you calling me? And Eli, in uh, chapter 3 and verse 9, therefore Eli said unto Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. In verse 10, it says, And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Samuel listened to the call of the Lord. Can I tell you this morning, this evening, we are all called for something for the Lord. If he saved you tonight, if you know Jesus Christ, and you're a believer tonight, God has called you for a purpose tonight. He has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for my life. He has a purpose for every Christian. He did not just save you just to take you to heaven. He saved you so you could serve him, so you could do something for him. Hey, I don't know what that is. Hey, does everybody need to be in the ministry? 
No, we would have no church ministry. We don't need a room full of preachers. And I'll tell you, you get two or three in a room anyway, it's problems. Hey, we need a room for a people that are sold out to God Amen. and whatever God wants them to do and whatever they're called to do. Samuel had no idea at this point in his life what God would have him to do. I remember when I was called into the ministry, I was about, uh, I don't know, I was in my early 30s, I guess I was, and I knew God wanted me to do something, but I had no idea what it was. And I was in the Bible Institute at Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio, and I, I didn't know what to do. And I, I got advice from one of my friends, and, and uh, I said, I think God wants me to do something, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what he wants me to do. He says, you go forward in the next church service, and you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever he wants you to do, you just say you'll do it. And I went forward in that, and the next fall, I started the Institute I had no idea what God wanted me to do. I had no idea where God wanted me to be. I was working in a junior church, and we were in charge of junior of a uh, fifth and sixth grade department, and we were running 150 fifth and sixth graders on Sunday morning. We had 13 teachers and workers, and I thought, I'm doing plenty for the Lord right here. And I'll tell you, God said, that is good, but I got something better for you, and I got something that you can do, and I, 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 but I had no idea what it was. I went through three years, had no idea what it was. And God has taken me from a couple of ministry to where I am today. I've been here nine years, and I can tell you, he has taken me through every experience to bring me where I am today, and I know that I'm in the will of God because I can look back and say, that's why God did that, because I listened to the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you bragging about that? No, sir, I'm not. I'm telling you, I'm hard-headed. you got to hit me over the head with a two-before, and God had to take me out to the woodshed a few times, but I can tell you, tonight God had a plan for my life and God has a plan for your life and then he was established by the Lord first Samuel chapter 3 and verse 19 it says and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground and all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord he was established to be a prophet of the Lord. I've seen so many men and women and people try to do things on their own and try to set themselves up and try to lift themselves up and try to make a name for themselves and try to be somebody important and that somebody that everybody knows. But can I tell you, that will fail every time. If God doesn't establish you, you will not be established. It may last for a while. It may go for a good time. It may look like you're important. It may look like you're something. But I'll tell you what, you will sell out to the world. You will give in to the world. You will give in to money. You will do all those things. You need to be established by the Lord. Samuel was established in a specific way. Samuel let the Lord lift him up. Samuel did not desire any office. God exalted him and brought him to that office. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12 says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. James chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Samuel was established for a specific time. Acts chapter 13 and verse 20 says, And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until the Samuel prophet. 
the, until Samuel the prophet. Can I tell you, they, Israel went through 450 years of history, but he established one man after those 450 years, the man named Samuel. Can I tell you, there's been over 6,000 years of history in this world, and there has been all kinds of things that have went on, but can I tell you, he has established you tonight for something specific in 2019. He's established this church. He's established this preacher. He's established the people sitting in the pew tonight for a reason. And he waited those 6,000 years. He knew from the beginning, from the foundation of the earth. He knew then that he had a specific purpose and a specific time and a specific thing that he wanted you to do and you alone to do it. Gamble's established for the, uh, a, a specific purpose. He was established as a prophet the Lord had endorsed Samuel as one who hears directly from God. When you were a prophet in Israel, <clears throat> if, you didn't, if you said, thus saith the Lord, and it didn't happen exactly like you said, they stoned you. You were either 100% right, or you were 100% dead. I mean, that was the only two choices. He got it mostly right. No, you got it 100% right. If you said you were a prophet and God established him, I was reading, I remember this verse for uh, Psalm chapter 40 and verse two, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. I thought of that verse, I never thought about it in this light before, but God took me out of the miry pit. He set my feet on solid ground and established my goings. From the time he saved me, he established my goings, and he said, hey, you're going to go through this journey, and every step that you take is going to be established by the Lord. I have a plan, and I have a purpose, and I have a place, and I have a time for everything in your life if you'll follow the will of God. He feared God. Samuel told Israel to, Fear God more than once. In 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 14, he says, If ye, <clears throat> I'm sorry, am I losing my voice? If ye will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. He said in verse 24, he says, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth. With all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. I'll tell you what, we have lost a fear of God today. <clears throat> the reason people do a lot of things they do, and I'm talking about church members, is because they don't fear God anymore. I'll tell you, our nation is doing what it's doing because we don't fear God anymore. Fear of God. Fear of my father kept me from doing a lot of things. Right? I'll tell you what. Your heavenly father knows everything you're doing. Everything you're thinking. He had a fear of God. Samuel is one of the only people in the word of God. We read the story of David, how great David is, but he fell, didn't he? Samuel's one of the only people, Joseph, one of the only people we read in the Word of God that we don't read about him falling. They feared God. He was humble as a servant. 
Samuel was an obedient servant even when he didn't understand or even agree with God. Remember in chapter 8, and the people wanted a king like all the other nations. But it says in chapter 8 and verse 6, it says, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And he said, hey, he talked to the Lord about this. And he says, are you sure you want to do this, God? And God said, this is my plan. I'm going to give them a king. You give them a king. You get, get, let Saul be set up. And I think Samuel knew right from the beginning that Saul was not going to be a good king. I think he knew that that was not going to be the right thing for Israel. But God allowed it. And you know what? Samuel was obedient to God in everything he did. Samuel, he was a servant. He was a humble servant to God. And he said, hey, if that's what God wants, that's what God, I will do. I will do what God wants, even if I don't agree with it. And I'll tell you what, we should always agree with God. I'm not saying we should disagree with God. But I'm telling you, if you're like I am, sometimes I disagree with God. I think, God, why are you doing this? But I know in God's perfect plan and perfect will, and I just am called to be a servant. I'm not called to question God why he does something. Samuel was a servant to the people. Samuel was a servant to the king. Samuel even steps out of the way so Saul can be king. Samuel was a servant to David. Servants like Samuel are difficult to find, if not impossible nowadays. <clears throat> A servant says, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, Look not at every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you want to be a servant, you have to think of what the needs of other people are. Amen. Not what your own needs are, but what other people's needs are. That's what a servant is. And God said, if you want to be a servant... If you want to be exalted, be a servant. You can never be a great leader unless you are a humble servant. It will never happen. Amen. He was truthful in speech. Samuel was truthful with the people. <clears throat> he was truthful with Saul. He told Saul when he went out there, and uh, he remember he went out and he was supposed to, go out and destroy Amalek and all the things there and he did not do that and Samuel went to Saul and he said behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of lambs for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as the iniquity and adultery he just told him the truth but he told him the truth in love didn't he well that's a hard thing to get balanced sometimes is tell the truth but tell the truth in love some of the things we say sometimes is absolutely right, and we need to say it, and it needs to be said. But we're to do that in love. Samuel told the truth in love. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. 1 John 3:18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love is telling the truth. And telling the truth with love. <clears throat> I believe it pained Samuel to tell Saul the truth. Saul was going to lose everything. And looking back at chapter 3 when Samuel didn't want him to be king at all. You know you never find in scripture that Samuel went to God and says see I told you so. In fact 
he was heartbroken over that. In fact, in chapter 15, verse 35 of 1 Samuel, he says, And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Listen to this. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. He mourned for him. Hey, he knew he was a mess. He knew he disobeyed God. He knew the kingdom was going to be ripped for him, but he mourned for him. Have you ever hurt for somebody else? They're doing wrong, and they're going down the wrong path. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody you know, and they're going down, and you mourn for them. We have looked at Samuel. He was presented by his parents. He listened to his calling. He established by the Lord. He feared God. He was humble as a servant. He was truthful in his speech. We can truly say Samuel was a great man of God, a servant of God, and a prophet of God. We also could say that this should really be the duty of every Christian. Can't we? Listen for God's calling. Be established by the Lord. Fear God. Be a humble servant. Be truthful in our speech. That should be the duty of every Christian. That doesn't tell us anything special about Samuel that any Christian should not be. <clears throat> Turn over to Hebrews chapter 13 with me. Solomon said it this way, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. We started out with one sentence in 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 25 that seems to, so, uh, to, if you could look at it and say, it seems like so undeserving to such a great man that did so many things for Israel. But God chose to put one sentence in here about the man Samuel when he died. And it was, and Samuel died and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him, which is kind of funny. You always say the best things when somebody dies, don't you? I mean, it says they lamented him, but in actuality, they hated him most of the time. They were mad at Samuel most of the time, Israel, because he told them they were doing wrong. And they were mad at Samuel most of the time and buried him in his house at Ramah. However, there is one more sentence about Samuel and others in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, and it says, What? And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had a trial of cruel mockings and surgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. I understand that Samuel didn't go through all these things. He's talking about several different people here, but he, he included them, Samuel, Samuel, in this list of people. He, 
He included him in this plane. And Samuel and of the prophets. You know, God could have mentioned any other prophets in this verse here, in this sentence that I just, that was one sentence that I just read. He could have mentioned any of the other prophets there. He could have mentioned Isaiah. He could have mentioned Jeremiah. They went through some great things for God, didn't they? And they did great things for God. There's many other prophets, but he mentioned Samuel here. That's interesting to me. Samuel was mentioned by name. I have to believe that Samuel was precious to God as are all these people who live by faith, no matter the circumstances or the trials. I, I read this chapter, and I go to this chapter, and I think of the little problems and trials that I've went through, and I read this, and starting especially in verse 32, but the whole chapter of faith here, and the hall of faith, and all the things that go on, and all the people that are involved in there, and I think how little my faith is, and I get to these, and they were sawn asunder, and they were persecuted, and they were fed to the lions, and all these things that is mentioned here, and I think how little I am, but I can tell you that Samuel was precious to God but can I tell you also no our name may not be written in this passage of scripture here but I can tell you that you are precious to God tonight most of us will have a sentence or maybe a paragraph in paper written about us one day it will be a simple little thing and say that when, where, you, where you were born and how long you lived and the people that survived you and the people that passed before you and there will be one little sentence of your life but that won't tell your whole life, will it? He wrote a sentence about Samuel and others here in, in chapter 11 and verse 32 and on and, and that had phrases that told of the life that was given to the Lord. There's a couple of little phrases in here. It says in verse 33, who through faith. And I love this other phrase in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. <clears throat> you know what sentence I want to hear from the Lord someday? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Isn't it amazing? Our whole life. I was born in 1968, November the 5th, 1968. And I'm 50 years old now. And I think of all the time of my life. And if I was to die tonight, the next couple of days, there would be a little obituary written with a little bit of paragraph that wouldn't tell about anything about my life. But I can tell you, God has been there in every moment of my life. And I hope with all my heart, I don't know if it's even possible, if he can just even say it just a little bit at times, if he can just say at times you were, you were faithful. You were faithful. Who through faith, if we could just be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Samuel had one sentence written about him. He died. But I'll tell you, the other sentence at the end of, life, at the, end of the book here says, Who through faith, of whom the world was not worthy. Oh, I've known some precious people that who through faith, and the world was not worthy of them. I believe with all my heart God took them home because he just wanted to be closer to them. 
because they were so faithful in everything that they did. And we, sit, we go to their funeral and we say, we do not understand why God would take them or take them at such a love. They loved the Lord. They were serving God. They were so close to God. Why would God take them? Oh, if we could just say, who through faith? Who through faith? If we could just live by faith in the word of God and as Samuel, we won't have anything written about us great or long or anything written about us when we die. But if God has one sentence to say about us, and it says in it, who through faith could be said about us. That'd be a great thing to be said, wouldn't it? Well done, that good and faithful servant. If he could just say those words to me, it would mean the world. I wouldn't care what anybody else thought of what I did in this world. I wouldn't care what anybody else uh, uh, thinks I should have done in this world. I would only care what the Lord Jesus Christ you know, I don't have to wait till I stand before Jesus Christ to have that care what God thinks about me now. I need to think about what he would want me to do today. Because I don't know about tomorrow. And I can't live in the past. I can only live for today. And if I can live by faith today, if I was to die today, God could say, who through faith? God's way is always better because your life is more than a sentence. It's more than a sentence. Lord, I thank you for this. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com.